You're listening to the Broncos Audio Zone. Hello, and thank you for joining us here on the Neutral Zone. I am Phil Milani, joined as always by my partner in crime, my trusty sidekick. His name, at Eric Delala. Phil, it's great to join you. Yeah, uh, we are really excited for today's episode because we're joined by none other than CBS's signature play-by-play man, Jim Nance. Man, that's a get, Phil. Yeah, Eric, uh, I think uh, everyone knows how big of a fan you and I are of Jim Nance. Right. Yeah, we're wearing our quarter zips. We're uh, I'm actually wearing three of them right now, just to, you know, getting the full swing of things here. Uh, before we started recording, I said, hey, uh, pro- you know, if everybody has to stay at home during this time, uh, your house has probably got to be way up there in terms of uh, spots to be. Yeah, he's got the little uh, par three hole in his backyard on Pebble Beach. Man, what a what a nice he's setup. Cl- he's got his own uh, wine label, The Calling. So, uh, you know, that's going to be – that's that's uh, probably top three spots I'd like to have to stay at home at. Well, plus, like, like you're FaceTiming with me every day. He's doing Zooms with Tiger Woods and Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka. Like, that seems yeah. a little more fun. Uh, the end of our conversation, he was like, I got to run uh, Dustin Johnson. He's trying to Zoom me. So casual. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we've got a great conversation with Jim Nance coming up. And uh, that's because we're looking ahead to this weekend. Finally, so, some uh, live sports to watch. I know there was a little bit of golf last uh, Sunday, Eric, but this is the main event. The match champions for charity. Peyton Manning teaming up with Tiger Woods going against uh, both of their arch nemesis. Nemesis? Nemesis. <laughs> In uh, Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady. Yeah, I'm excited for it, Phil. I'm not going to move for four hours or however long this takes. And that's very different than a normal quarantine day where I also don't move for four hours, you know. But this uh, this I'll be doing something besides work, so. Exactly. Uh, Now that, you know, the last dance, that finished up. So Sunday now replaced by golf. That's that's perfect. At least like, uh, you know, this event will feature some of the best to ever play their respective sports, you know. Don't get me started on that, Eric. You know, that makes me very upset when you you've got you've got Tiger Woods. You've got Peyton slash Brady. I think most people would agree. One of those two guys is the greatest of all time. But, you know, Yeah. yeah, I mean. If only they could have uh, gotten LeBron involved somehow. Could have been nice. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, hopefully Jordan doesn't hear this because we know how he holds a grudge. <laughs> yeah, I'll be I'll be on his list right away. He'll never do a podcast with DenverBroncos.com. Exactly. Um, later on in the show, uh, Brandon Stokely, a conversation you had with him, Eric. Uh, maybe some golf stories we'll hear from that? Yeah, we know Stokely plays a lot of golf with Peyton, so... Uh, asked him to share some memories from them playing together, some good stuff there. And then also, Phil, on Monday, the NFL is 
going to put the 2012 comeback against the Chargers up on YouTube, and we'll have that on our website. Brandon Stokely caught the go-ahead touchdown in that game after the Broncos were down 24 nothing at halftime. So I talked with him a little bit about that game too. So some uh, good stuff there from Brandon, who, of course, he's on uh, 104.3 The Fan every day. So you can, you can get your fill of Brandon Stokely whenever you need to. That Brandon Stokely touchdown there at Qualcomm, the end zone in that corner is so tight. And uh, the fans are right on top of you right there in that corner. He caught a perfect fade from Manning right there, almost slid right into the wall. And weren't you right there? Uh, I was not. Uh, I was not oh. working for the team just yet. But uh, uh, Chris Hall before me probably captured the best angle of that. I'm pretty sure Stokely slid right into, almost hit him. So uh, you should check out that highlight. Yeah, it's a good, uh, nice little catch there. I got to ask Stokely, too, about a Colts game. So that was kind of nice. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, that was probably big for you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, uh, Eric, what do you say? Should I get to uh, my conversation with Jim Nance? Let's do it. But zip let's up that it. quarter zip. Exactly. Uh, let's get to uh, Jim Nance without further ado. I started out by uh, wishing him a happy belated birthday, his birthday uh, last weekend. So we started out the interview just right. I've been doing well. Thank you, Phil. It's good to see you again. It uh, reminds me of happy times when the football season's full gear and we're meeting up to get ready for a Broncos game, and usually we have a chat, a little visit. So um, it's nice to see you. Thank you for remembering my birthday. I've been here at home in California for these past two and a half months, and you know we all know how difficult and trying this is for the world. But uh, those silver linings are they're real, and uh, having all this time with my family has been a wonderful experience. I think that the country is uh, starving for some live sports, and they'll get some more golf uh, this weekend with the match champions for charity. Uh, what do you think about this idea? Pretty cool pairing up Pete Manning, Tiger Woods and Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson. I, I think it's exciting. I can't wait to watch it. And uh, first off, I know all four of these guys extremely well. This is like, in a way, me looking at my, my career, my broadcast career. I look down at those four, knowing that I pretty much documented all of their, you know, many of their greatest moments with, with Peyton and, Tom, of course, being out of the AFC and CBS being the AFC network. I mean, hundreds, well, dozens and dozens of games for those two guys. And then, of course, the two golfers, um, whether it was their Masters wins or their PGA Championship wins or many tour wins, uh, been there on so many occasions. So um, I feel very tied to the event and uh, we'll be watching it with great interest as a fan. Yeah, I don't think anybody knows them as a collective better than you. Uh, which <laughs> side are you taking? Boy, it's uh, it's almost impossible to handicap it. I, I mean, I I don't know. I'm not out to make enemies. They're all they're all four friends, and I know they're going to play one format on the front side and another format on the backs, the last nine holes. I just wish they, you know, I just wish that this was something I had a chance to maybe comment on a time or two. This will pretty much mark my one chance to comment on the match before I start calling live golf television in three weeks' time from down in Fort Worth at the Charles Schwab Challenge at Colonial. So. Um, you may have seen it, but Peyton brought Tom to the house. They, um, actually broke on to the grounds here at my property when I was away. All right, I'm calling. Oh, jeez. Jim, Peyton. Hey, Peyton. Yeah, Tom and I are outside your house right now. Tom Cruise? No, not Cruise. Tommy Lee Jones? No, not Lee Jones. Brady. 
How about, hello, friends. Access granted. Access granted. Here we come, Nance. I figured out the gate code and, um, and snuck on to my property and hit some balls in the backyard. And uh, hey, they had some fun with it. I sure had some fun seeing what they put together, the hijinks uh, that came out of that. And uh, it was really fun. Uh, the best part of that might have been the outtakes at the end with you on the phone there. <laughs> <laughs> they shot the, uh, the the golf and the interview, which I thought was fabulous to hear those two talking uh, as friends. I mean, there was some really rich material in there that because I think that a lot of it was done tongue in cheek with their entrance into the uh, driveway and, and all of that got lost at the serious parts of this, the meat of it. Uh, was tremendous uh, to hear the respect they have for one another. Uh, so to just listen to them, realizing that they're forever linked. I mean, I just thought it was one of the richest things I've seen on television in a long time, the, the part between Peyton and Tom. Uh, and, and they shot it in June a year ago. I was back east uh, broadcasting a golf tournament from Hartford, the Travelers Championship. And uh, they were out here at Pebble Beach uh, together for, uh, for a golf event. And I got the call that they wanted to shoot it here. And, of course, I was happy to accommodate. And, um, and then come December, they, they asked me to do a, a few things that would come on the end of the show, which my bad acting was, uh, was on full display there. I'm, I'm afraid the SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, may take away my card. Uh, it was great, though. It was great, and I think you got a good look at what these two are going to contribute to the show. I mean, I, you know, if we're all going to know that Tiger and Phil, they're going to be playing their ball, their shots a, a great majority of the time. But I've played with both uh, Peyton and Tom, and trust me, there are going to be occasions where one of them holds a long shot or knocks a, an iron shot in close or clobbers a tee shot. I'm not even sure they're playing the same tees. I don't think they are. But both of them have the ability to, to rise up and and – perform i think on the fifth hole they have to use one club for the entire hole oh okay club. so uh, any advice for doing that you got to first figure out what that club should be i played in a one club event one time with peyton we were partners it was an alternate shot three hole event it was out here at pebble beach it was called the sand dune classic and it was alternate shot we had to then collaborate what would be the club now, whatever club he chose out of his bag, I had to have the matching club. So we decided we would take six iron. So we each had our six iron. And yeah, Peyton hit the first tee shot right in the middle of the fairway with a six iron, a par four. And of course, I missed the green with my six iron. Uh, then Peyton somehow, out of a doonesy kind of a lie, I mean, footprints and all, with a six iron, chopped it out, got it on the green, and then somehow with a six iron, I hold about a 14-foot putt for a par. So we're off and running. This is a competition. This is a real deal. It's been going on for 20 years. We double bogeyed the next hole, which there were a lot of double bogeys and higher because of the one club. And now we get to the third and final hole. I've got it. I'm on the tee now. I've got to hit a strip of land that's not normally where you drive your tee ball, but with a six iron. Uh, that little patch of grass was all there was, and I luckily hit a six iron onto the fairway, if you will. Peyton had 224 uphill with a six iron to the green. And I don't know how he did it, but he hit that six iron, a towering six iron uphill, 224, and got it on the front of the green. It was one of the great six irons I've ever seen in my life. 
And now it's left to uh, attempt to, again, belly the ball with a six iron, putting with a six iron. And I happened to make it from 59 feet wow. for a birdie. So Peyton and I, Peyton doing the great, great majority of the heavy lifting, shot one over for three holes, and we won the tournament. Wow. We won the tournament. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking for the trophy. Oh, it's over there. You want to wait one second? Just yeah, watch warp speed. Yeah. yeah. We won silver right here. <laughs> Never had a chance to display any of my golf wares through the years. But, um, yeah, we both got a beautiful Tiffany tray, courtesy of the great Sam Reeves, the tournament host. And we set the course record. It's still never been beat. One over for three holes, alternate shot. Quite the accomplishment. How about that story just out of left field? I had no idea we are going to talk about it. Uh, I love it. Uh, what does Peyton like out on the golf course? Is he a prankster? You know, Peyton's personality is such that he, he has a good time with everything he does. But when he has to focus, when it's time for him to perform, hit a shot, uh, he has that ability to turn the switch and lock in and perform. I mean, he's got a, a great game. And so does Tom, by the way. Uh, I played with Tom years ago in the company. This is shameless name dropping, but we played with President Bush 41 and President Clinton. And there's been some stories written about it through the years, but this was 2006 in Kennebunkport, Maine, at uh, a course that uh, is called Cape Arundel, designed by Walter Travis. Great old course. And Tom, in, in the company of uh, two former commander-in-chiefs, commanders-in-chief, I should say, shot 73. So... Um, yeah, it was impressive. No he has a golf swing that is tour-esque, wow. majestic. Just, you might expect that. You know, the way Tom throws a football, he just has that ability, like he's in the pocket. Everything looks like it's just perfect. His form is uh, spot on. His game, if you looked at him on a range, you went down the range, you didn't know it was Tom Brady, you might say, oh, I wonder who that tall tour player is. Who is that? I mean, swing looks very legit. I, it's going to hopefully come down to the wire. And it's a nice uh, thing that they're doing for charity, which is uh, the whole impetus for them to get together. Anyway, let's not lose sight of that. They're donating their time and they're trying to stir interest in, in helping a lot of other people. So I admire that. Another case where the, ga the game of golf, the great game of golf, uh, does so much as far as philanthropy and it's a source of of opportunity for, for people to help others. And uh, hats off to all four of them. I hope they have a great time and, and um, raise a lot of money and, and um, send us some, some programming that we've all been looking forward to for a long time as we start to get closer and closer to getting back to the real thing. Again, uh, June 13th and 14th on CBS, we'll have uh, from Colonial, the Charles Schwab Challenge. Uh, Jim, before I let you go here, uh, just one question about the Broncos. We only mm -hmm. saw you once last year. I think we might be seeing you more after some of these offseason <laughs> moves. I always, I love the chance to be able to to visit with you. I, yeah, we only saw you once last year at the Chargers, and the Broncos at that point were off to a, a slow start, but then they sprung the upset and won on the road that day. Uh, love what they did in the draft. 
big fan of Vic. First off, uh, we go back a long way. So uh, I like all the moves that John's made in the offseason. I, I think this is going to be an exciting team. And as much as excitement as you guys have with what Drew did going 4-1 and one at the end of the year, it still hasn't quite resonated nationally yet. It's a good position to be in. I, I think we all know that the Broncos could be dangerous. It's just the rest of the people, maybe the optics on it nationally, uh, they're not thinking yet about how good Denver can be. And uh, I really expect they're going to surprise some folks this year. And they'll be dynamic. There's no question on both sides of the football. Uh, Jim, thank you so much. Thank you, pal. Appreciate it. All the best. My thanks to Jim Nance for uh, spending some time with us uh, earlier this week. Really a great conversation there. Uh, miss those conversations with Jim that we do the night before a game. You know, uh, only had Jim Nance one time last year. That was the Broncos game against the Chargers in L.A. Uh, hopefully next season, uh, a little bit more of the number one crew for CBS. Yeah, we'll see, Phil. I know uh, we've got a few games that, you know, could make that list. Maybe the, the Broncos against Patriots in uh, Foxborough there in week five. Maybe one of these Kansas City Chiefs, the home one against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, maybe the Broncos two best home games, Phil, the Saints and Bucks. Those are both on Fox, so we know we won't see uh, Jim and, and Tony Romo those weeks. But one game we definitely won't see him, Phil, as you mentioned, week 10 against the Raiders. That kicks off at uh, 1.05 Pacific time. We'll be out there in Las Vegas, hopefully. And so I think we'll be able to squeeze in the final round of the Masters before we've got to get to work. Uh Jim Nance has called every single Masters since 1986. That yeah. was the year I was born, Eric. 1986 is the year that Jack Nicholas won uh, his final major after like a 10-year gap and, you know, exactly. widely considered one of the best golf tournaments of all time. Probably happened because Jim Nance was there. Most definitely. Most definitely. Uh, so he will, like you mentioned, without a doubt, be doing that instead of uh, calling a game that Sunday. So, um, But he has mentioned before, if you look at this stretch for him coming up this fall, if everything goes according to plan, like how we would hope for it, he's going to have NFL games coming up in the fall. He's going to have the Masters. The Super Bowl is on CBS this year. Hopefully we'll get the return of the NCAA basketball tournament. And then the PGA Championship will be next May on CBS. So it could be one of the craziest stretches of uh, Nance's entire career. Well, he's going to have another Masters, too, you know. Like and next another April Masters. Another yeah, one. Exa exactly, exactly. So, so uh, it could be a little bit of a crazy stretch for Jim. That will uh, be nice. I do think we'll see him a little bit more this year, you know, especially if this team can get off to a hot start. Um, there are some – some TV draws, you know, New England has a lot of primetime games. And I think even when they're not in primetime, that's a game that you'd think would be of interest to a national audience. Yeah. Two big fan bases there. Um, you know, I think that just the more high profile games, you know, if the Broncos get out of the gate playing well, I think then that obviously creates High, more high-profile matches as the season goes on. And, you know, if there's playoff implications there later in the year, you know, uh, we should definitely get uh, some of Jim Nance and Tony Romo. I didn't get a chance to ask Nance about uh, Romo's new contract. So, uh, mm. missed out I on bet that. I bet Jim's doing just fine with whatever deal he's got going. 
Yeah, Tony might be moving into the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, let's talk about this golf match a little bit, uh, Eric. Jim didn't want to say uh, which side he thinks would win, but he was very complimentary of both Peyton Manning and Tom Brady's golfing abilities. Um, and he mentioned that he won that tournament with Manning using a six iron for all three holes. Uh, is that the club you would pick? Erica, if you can only use one club. Sure. I don't know if I'm the the right person to ask there, but yeah, what well, was a part a part three tournament there? No, just a regular just a, tournament. Yeah. Oh. But, uh, three three holes. They came out uh plus one tournament record. Wow. Yeah, I mean a, a six is probably right around the area you'd want to use just because um, you know, you can play those those mid-range shots you're getting enough distance off the tee you can putt it probably pretty decently maybe maybe you could use it like a little bit like a pool cue there for the putt it's uh you know, we're gonna have to see what they do because uh this sunday the fifth hole the guys will only be able to use one club so uh i think a six is just about right you don't want you don't want something too flat because then you won't be able to work around the greens well and then but you don't want anything with too much lock because then you're not going to get enough distance. I would say probably six is, is right about in the sweet we, spot. Haven't we heard a story, Phil, of John Elway beating somebody on a golf hole with just his putter? Uh, I have heard that story, yes. Uh, I don't know. That's a lot of skill there, I mean. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I bet Phil, Phil might choose driver because he just likes to hit bombs. Exactly. Yeah, with those calves, I mean, he, that's all that matters. Yeah, so he'll probably, bombs. you know, they're, he'll go uh, driver driver off the deck and way over shoot the green and then maybe just try to <laughs> pop it up a little bit on the way back. Um, now, Nan said that uh, Tom Brady is an excellent golfer. He's got a sweet uh, stroke. He said that uh, playing quarterback, kind of the similar, you can see some similarities there into a golf game. What do you think about that? Yeah, yeah, I think in terms of like mentally being in control, I mean, most of golf is, I feel like, mental and being able to figure out what shot you need to hit and staying in it, not letting yourself get upset. I feel like you probably don't do great with that part of it. I'm very cool and collected on the golf course. <laughs> yeah, I bet you are. I mean, I'm always happy, you know, after yeah. I hit, I'm just happy. So that's true. Well, when you hit a hole in one on every hole, it's hard to be upset <laughs> yourself. Oh. Uh, I did see on social media that uh, Tom Brady has won a golf tournament paired with Michael Jordan before. So, yeah. like you Michael mentioned Jordan's earlier, own tournament, I think a couple of goats uh, paired together. Mm, yeah, that's a good example of uh, that situation there. I, I do think I saw though that the uh, the estimate here is that Peyton probably has a little bit better of a handicap than Tom, and um, I, I do think that not to. You know, Tiger is obviously the greatest golfer of this era, maybe of all time. I think Peyton's really good, but I kind of expect Tom and Phil to win this just because uh, I think Phil will take this more seriously than Tiger. Oh, I disagree because obviously Mickelson won the first match a couple of years ago when he went head to head with uh, Tiger. I think that uh, much like Jordan, I don't think Tiger forgets about things like that. Uh, and I think the I think the new Tiger I, that we've seen is like a little more relaxed, and he might be like, you know what, Phil, it's okay that you you won this uh, 
this match, I got the green jacket this past year. So I'm happy to. Um, that might be what he says to the media. Mm. But on the inside, you don't suddenly change. You're, that That's still inside it, you know. And like, nice. uh, I know that like they've been, uh, you know, uh, doing some of the promotional stuff for this. They've been uh, really joking around and like playful. And this is supposed to have a fun feel to it. I also think you're talking about some of the most competitive people on this planet go, going head to head in a in an athletic competition. So like I, I could see it sort of being like almost like an NBA all-star game type of situation where the beginning it's fun and you're getting a lot of lobs and dunks. But then when it, when the fourth quarter comes around, you start playing a little bit. I mean, Peyton's already talking about taking a shot of his new whiskey before teeing off. So He's got to get his brand out there. That's true. He's Whiskey talk bourbon. About that stuff. I believe that's a bourbon if it's made in Tennessee. Mm. There. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I think that's going to be a bourbon. But uh, I know that we're looking forward to watching this. Uh, uh, I'm going to go with Peyton and Tiger, I think. I You're think. going to the tournament with them? Uh, I wish. <laughs> I wish. That would be kind of nice. Um, no, I see your pick. Yeah. That's my pick. That's my pick for this weekend. But yeah. I think it's going to be really fun. It's going to be some good, uh, good television. And uh, we've already seen some other stuff on social media. Pete Manning out there on the golf course getting ready for this thing. So, uh, you know, he's got a couple of really nice golf courses here in Colorado, Castle Pines, uh, Sanctuary. Uh, there's just some nice golf courses that he could be getting ready uh, this week. I'm sure he's been out there. The weather's been beautiful, Eric. Um that's we should true. have had this thing here in Colorado. Uh, yeah. I mean, that was my favorite part of the, uh, the the teaser video we saw was that Peyton said, hey, I wish we could have had this somewhere where people hate Tom Brady, like Indianapolis, Denver, or Boston. That's pretty, <laughs> yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Tom got a kick out of that. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Uh, those guys, uh, they've been revving each other pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I think it's easier to take some of those jokes when you have six Lombardis sitting in your house. That's true. That is true. Kind of like uh, when John Elway was doing the draft and he had the three Lombardis in the background. Right. Exactly. You think that's like what that. their setup except, is like? Except if it's double. <laughs> it's just like three, but twice as many. Yeah. He said that. I think that uh, Manning said that it had to be played in Florida because uh, of uh, Tom's breaking and entry uh, arrest. Yeah. Yeah, the parole <laughs> guidelines. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's a great joke there. But uh, yeah, a really fun conversation there with Jim Nance. Probably no one knows the four of these guys as a collective better than Nance. Uh, almost feels like uh, we wish we could hear Jim's voice coming up on this Sunday. But uh, he'll be back on CBS once uh, real golf gets uh, going here in just a little bit. So uh, looking forward to that, but uh, our thanks to uh, Jim Nance for uh, joining us and uh, spending a little time here on the neutral zone. Yeah, and we'll get Charles Barkley's voice this weekend, so that's something. That's true, and he likes to tell it like it is. Hopefully, we'll see uh, Chuck swing out there a little bit. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> One interesting thing about the uh, the match too here is that on the back nine. They can't just rely on one player. They got to sw- do alternate strokes. So uh, no. it's really going to be, uh, you know, both both uh, teammates have to uh, carry their own weight. 
I mean, I bet you'll see on the front nine too that, you know, it's the case on more than one hole where Tiger or Phil, you know, hits it in the rough on their drive or hits in the woods or whatever. And uh, they end up using Peyton or Tom's shot there. So that, I mean, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Maybe like, what if uh, like Peyton hits like the safe shot and then Tiger's like, I'm going for it. That's going to be fun to see. Yeah. I'm going to cut, nice. you know, I'm going to cut this or whatever. Um, here's an interesting question for you, Eric. We're going to see Peyton and Tom play Tiger and Phil sport. What do you think it would be like if Tiger and Phil played football? Mm, it would not go well. I mean, like, I mean this uh, is not uh, a, this is not an NBA slash NFL swap where everybody's a good athlete. I mean, I just I can't imagine Phil having a place on a football field. Yeah, I wonder. They should do like a follow up to this some way uh, involving football here. Um, because I would argue that, yeah, Tom and Peyton are probably better golfers than Tiger and Phil are football players. Yeah, I mean, they have to be. Yeah. It would just be fun. Maybe there's like some sort of quarterback competition or something like that where they got to, you know, try and hit some targets or something like that. They can make it happen. That would be fun. Uh, Eric, uh, Jim was not the only uh, guest on this episode. Uh, I think you had a chance to chat with Brandon Stokely. Yeah, Brandon, obviously a longtime teammate of Peyton Manning, uh, both in Indianapolis and Denver. He's actually played medalist where they're going to have this golf tournament. He's played that with Peyton, had some interesting thoughts about the course and how difficult it is. And uh, we also touched on that 2012 matchup against the Chargers and uh, that big comeback from the Denver Broncos. Joined now by Brandon Stokely, who played in the NFL for 15 seasons, including four years with the Denver Broncos. Brandon, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Looking forward to it. Brandon, we're going to focus today on uh, a game during your second stint with the Broncos in 2012, a comeback against the San Diego Chargers. Uh, they were up 24 nothing, and the Broncos came all the way back on Monday Night Football to win. That's going to be shown on YouTube live at 6.30 p.m. Mountain Time on Monday. Uh, Brandon, entering that game at 2-3 and three to start the season, Peyton had just come over from Indianapolis. Is it fair to say the team was still kind of finding its way at that point? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, when you look at all the changes that that team had had from the previous year, uh, it takes time. And, you know, we put a lot of work in and we uh, we were we were working really hard at it, but it still takes time. It just doesn't happen overnight. And I think you saw uh, with that football team, we ended up getting better and better throughout the course of the year. But at that time, we were still a little bit rusty and, and it showed. And uh, but uh, when you look at that football game, you know, being down 24 nothing, I think with what happened in the second half there. Um, that kind of propelled us forward uh, the rest of the season. And, and um, you know, we weren't lacking confidence, but it just it just helped. It, it helped, uh, you know, everything out to, to let us know that, you know, we are a good football team. And when we are firing on cylinders and doing the right things, both offensively and defensively, we're going to be really, really difficult to beat. That game started off four punts, a fumbled kickoff, a pick six. You guys were down 24 nothing at halftime. What was the mood like in the locker room at that point? Um, I mean, it was pretty depressing. Uh, you know, he, there's not many times you, you come back from a 24 nothing deficit on the road. So, 
Um, but it was one possession at a time. If I remember correctly, I think we might have been getting the ball to open the second half. And so um, I think the, the, the mood was and the vibe was, let's go out there and let's, let's put together a scoring drive and, and let's put some points on the board and, and take it one possession at a time. And, uh, you know, obviously you can't score 24 points uh, in one possession, but let's go out there and, and put some good drives together and then, you know, it's still got a lot of football left. It, it wasn't over by any means. We knew we had our work cut out for us, and we had to play really good football on both sides of the ball. We had to start scoring some points. This wasn't the first time that you and Peyton had kind of been in this situation. Back in 2005, you guys had a Monday nighter against the Rams in Indianapolis, and I think fell behind 17 nothing. Did it feel any similar to that game, and obviously came back and won that one big? Right. Yeah. No, this one felt a lot more daunting. Um, you know, that one we were, we were at home. Um, this one we were on the road, and uh, we were playing a really good Chargers team um, with with Philip Rivers as their quarterback. And um, you know, he's he's as tough as it gets, and he's going to fight and claw, and he wasn't going to go down uh, without you know without a fight. So uh, this one this one on the road was 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 more difficult than that one, and you know, just nothing was going our way. Uh, but like I said, we just we just knew we needed to come out and and put together a good drive and, and start putting some points on the board, and then you just you just don't know what's going to happen. There was still a lot of football left. Yeah, like you said, you guys did come out, got the ball. Demarius Thomas scored a touchdown on the first drive. Chargers gets the ball, and, and Tony Carter returns a fumble for a touchdown. Is that when you felt things kind of start to shift in your favor? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think after the the um, fumble recovered by Tony Carter and the, and the touchdown there, you know, all of a sudden now you look, you're like, well, we're only down ten, um, and we still got a lot of football left. So we're, we're right back in this thing, and then the pressure shifts, momentum shifts to us, and then the pressure shifts to them, and, and all of a sudden they start tightening up a little bit. Like, oh my goodness, this football team with Peyton Manning, you know, and, and trust me, opposing teams realize who the other team's quarterback is. This 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 team with Peyton Manning is only ten down now. They start feeling that pressure. So obviously, coming out there, that touchdown pass to DT was huge to get to get us going, and then um, and then the fumble uh, touchdown by Tony Carter uh, just shifted everything to us and put the, started putting the pressure. On Brandon, you had four catches in that game, but the most memorable is that uh, that go-ahead touchdown catch in the right corner of the end zone, dragging your feet. Uh, can you take us through that play, and where does that catch rank for you? Um, I mean, it's 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 up there, you know. Uh, I mean, I put my my Super Bowl touchdown uh, at one, and then the Bengals catch at two, and and this one, you know, it's top five for sure. Um, and it might be a three there, but um, you know, I, I just remember the play clock was winding down. Down, Peyton was trying to change the the play and the protection and get everything situated. And I, we had a perfect look for the play that he wanted to go to. And uh, I just remember looking at the play clock, and it was at one. And I'm like, hike the ball, please hike the ball, because we got a the perfect play call for their defense here. And uh, we just got the snap off, and you know, he just made a great throw. And I just went up there and. Ball stuck to my hand somehow, some way, and but certainly a, a memorable catch for me. And uh, I believe that was when we took the lead um, with, with with that catch there. And it was just, I mean, it was a celebration of all celebrations. I mean, I was so excited, you know, to to, to be able to make that catch in a, on a prime time stage and uh, to to take the lead there. And, 
um, it was it was awesome. It was you know I remember my teammates Teresa in Orlando and and everybody and just celebrating in that end zone and and Broncos country always shows out for that game. You know they, we always had a lot of fans that went to San Diego and so it was it was rocking and rolling and that uh, was a special moment for me. For as uh, daunting and and maybe quiet as the locker room was at halftime, I'd imagine things were quite different in that uh, post game celebration. <laughs> Oh yeah, it was a big party. It was a big party, and I, if, I, if I remember correctly, I think the following week we had a bye week, and so you know you want to head on that bye week uh, feeling good about what you've done, and and obviously it's hard to feel much better than what we did after that win, and uh, get us get back to five hundred, uh, get that momentum going, and that's what that second half did for us. So yeah, there was a lot of smiling faces on that plane ride home, and I remember joking with we were joking with Eric Decker because he tripped on the fifty yard line or so midway through that game, and he would have he would have had a big game he just tripped over his feet and we were just in the back of the plane just laughing and just having a great time and um it was a bunch of great guys on that football team and and that win was um kind of got us going and uh, for the rest of the season one of the most memorable games certainly of the last decade for the broncos uh, broncos country you can check that game out on youtube and the broncos website 6 30 p.m on monday uh brandon shifting gears a little bit here to golf we know uh, Peyton's going to be playing with Tiger Woods on Sunday against Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady. You excited for that? Oh yeah, I can't. I can't wait for it. You know, I think we're all stored for content right now, and um, you know, I love golf, and so anytime that you could see a, a Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods play uh, against each other in battle, that's awesome. Now you throw in. Peyton and Tom Brady, and we know the epic showdowns that they've had throughout their careers on the football field, and now they're out of their element, and they're on the golf course, and uh, I mean, it's got so many great storylines. I, I think, you know, it's going to be it's gonna be awesome. It's going to be entertaining. It's going to be fun to watch, and uh, I can't wait for it. What are your expectations for Peyton? Have you told him anything? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, my expectations are for him to go out there and win. <laughs> That's it, man. <laughs> That's it. Uh, you know, he, he's he's a clutch golfer. He's a clutch golfer. So it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. Now, obviously, you're on that stage. That's a different stage. You know, I mean, golf's not what these guys do when they look at Peyton and Tom. So um, obviously, in that type of setting, uh, it's tough. It's difficult. Nerves and pressure and all of those things in, in something that you don't usually uh, have when it comes to, to playing golf. Um, so it's gonna be fun to watch them and see how they handle those types of situations. Um, but I think Peyton's going to go out there and, and, and do what he does, and, and that's make big plays. Uh, they're playing down at Medalist Golf Club in Florida. I believe you've played that course with Peyton before, haven't you? That's right. That's correct. I have. What uh, What'd you like about that course? What do you remember about that day? Uh, I remember losing almost every single golf ball in my back. We played 36, <laughs> and we played with Tiger Woods, and... Um, it was an unbelievable day, uh, you know, obviously a day I'd never forget uh, to be able to play with Tiger and watch him hit and just hang out with him. And um, But it, I remember it being a lot of sand everywhere, and I remember losing a lot of golf balls. <laughs> so it was tough. It was a tough, tough course. And uh, so it's going to be fun to kind of, you know, I played it seven, eight years ago. It's going to be fun to kind of look and, and, and kind of remember some of those holes uh, that when, when I watch it on Sunday and, and kind of remember what I did on those holes and watch how those guys do. And, um, but it was fun. It was a, it was a fun day. 
but it was a tough day, tough conditions, and um, it was. I remember just losing a lot of golf balls. <laughs> uh, last one for you, Brandon. Do you have a, a favorite golf story uh, that involves Peyton? You guys playing together? Well, I, I think I don't just have one. You know, we played a lot of golf through the years, and um, uh, we, we're usually when we play golf, ninety nine percent of the time, uh, we're never teammates. Um, we're never teammates on the golf course. We always battle, and uh, so we, we've had some epic showdowns and um, some some fun matches and. It's it's always it's always fun to compete against Peyton, and that's what we always do. We always square off with each other, and um, so I don't really have one. Um, but it's it seems like you know halfway through the match, we're always we stop talking to each other, and then by the time we get to eighteen, we're back talking again because uh, we just like to compete against each other, and it's fun. Um, but uh, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch him go out there and compete on the on on the big stage on TV. Just four guys out there, and you know him and Tom Brady. Obviously, the the matchups they've had throughout the years on the football field. Now it's gonna be on the golf course, so it's gonna be fun. Uh, but 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 my Peyton golf stories are, are just um, nothing nothing too great. We just we just battle. We just compete against each other, and like I said, usually halfway through the round. Uh, there's some kind of argument going on. By the time we get to 18, uh, we're back talking again. That's awesome. Some great insight there, Brandon, about uh, both golf and that 2012 matchup against the Chargers. You can hear Brandon every day on 104.3 The Fan and follow him on Twitter at bstokely14. Brandon, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I certainly appreciate it. Yeah, felt funny hearing from uh, Stoke there about them losing the balls in the water and you know, I think Peyton's told this story that he had to use a yellow ball because he was running out of them and said, I can't can't play that in front of Tiger Woods. So went looking for uh, some golf balls in the hazards. A little worried about alligators down there, I'm sure. But Yeah, what if the alligator just jumped up and took off his right arm? That, that would be bad. But uh, <laughs> then you could, then we could remake a movie. But this kind of went back to my point there about how competitive these guys are. Yeah, it's supposed to be fun, but this is uh, they still have that deep within within them, the the itch to prove themselves and, and win. Yeah, no, I mean, it, they uh, sounds like these guys are just as competitive on the golf course as they were uh, in practice, making sure everything was right and just a. Golf stories get a little bit better when there's that little bit of a southern accent involved, you know, Cajun. Most definitely. Yeah, I uh, I'm glad that we could understand what Stokely had to say there because sometimes. <laughs> that's true. Uh, <laughs> uh, the 18th. Coach, it's hall, not Coach O. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you are. Yeah. <laughs> Although I bet you Stokely could understand him. Understand Ed Orgeron. Yeah. It probably That's sounds true. like clear. It probably sounds it's clear. possible. Yeah, I would think so. Um, yeah, what would you like? What was your biggest takeaway there about uh, about Peyton's golf game? Uh, he just, you know, said Peyton's still the same competitor that he is out there, which doesn't surprise me at all. And he'll look to, uh, you know, put on a good show. And I think you're right, kind of touching on what you said before. They're just gonna they're gonna take this seriously, I think, toward the end and see what happens. It would be a lot of nerves though. You know, I think about when you go up to that first tee and it's just uh you and your buddies, you're like, Okay, I gotta show what I can do here. Never mind when it's the only live sporting event on. 
and and it's the cameras are there and everything. It's it's a little different. It's the only live sporting event. You uh, are the only group. Like you know, it's not like when Tiger's playing in these pro, or when Peyton's playing in these proams, and you've got a bunch of groups around, and it's not really on live TV. Like you're gonna, it's gonna feel different because they're gonna be the only ones out there. There's gonna be a bunch of camera people. You're gonna have 30 people following the group, and it's just you know every time they line up for a putt or are standing on an intimidating tee box, you're gonna feel the pressure a little bit. So, so I mean, Stokely mentioned that too. You know, just how that's gonna feel different than going out and playing around with your buddies. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, Eric. Enough about golf. This is not a golf podcast. This is a football podcast and uh, glad that you got to talk with Stokely a little bit about that Monday night football comeback. Sometimes Eric, tell me if you feel this way too. There's a game in a season where things turn and something either it's good or it's bad and it could just spark a run. And that game against the chargers was really the spark for that 2012 team. You know, Peyton Manning, when he first came to Denver, so much hype for him. But it took a little bit of time for that thing to really get rolling. And uh, whatever uh, happened in, in the locker room at halftime there at Qualcomm, that just sparked something with that Broncos team. And they went on quite the run. Yeah, they only uh, – they lost – they didn't lose again, right, the rest of the regular season? Yeah, yeah I think that was it. So uh, – yeah, talking with Stoke there, he said, hey, we were still figuring things out. They were two and three at the time. Uh, Peyton had just gotten there. Stokely was back after, you know, he had been in Denver and then left for a while. Uh, you know, it's not a it's not a perfect process right away. Something, by the way, Phil, that we should remember this fall when Drew Locke and all these new offensive weapons hit the field. Uh, but he said that things were really kind of dismal in, at halftime in the locker room. I asked him because in twenty in 2005, him and uh, Manning were on the Colts on Monday Night Football and were down 17-0 to a Rams team, and it had a really similar feel. And he was like, this is way worse, you know, because it was on the road. Uh, it was another seven points. And then they just took advantage of the opportunities. DT scores on that first drive. Uh, then you've got Tony Carter fumble return for a touchdown. And like you mentioned, Phil, Stokely was just talking about how that spurred them the rest of the year. That felt like the turning point. And uh, obviously we won't dwell on what happened in the postseason there, but I know you think that that might've been the most talented team that the Broncos had while Peyton was here. Oh, without a doubt. That was the best team that complete team. I mean, you're talking about uh, a champ Bailey that was still in his prime or like close to his prime. Uh, Elvis Dumerville, Von Miller was playing great that year. Um, the offense got clicking. I mean, that was just uh, a complete, a complete team. Uh, the next year, obviously, the Broncos went to the Super Bowl, but that was because of a historical perform season by Pete Manning, and it was primarily all offense, you know. And then a couple of years later, the Broncos obviously won Super Bowl Fifty that was spurred on the most part on the defensive side of the ball, that 2012 team though, that was a complete package. And uh, obviously the Ravens went on to win the Super Bowl, but I still have nightmares about that game. Just wakes me up in the middle of the night. Yeah. Scary. I saw a good tweet, uh, Ryan Green, who works for CBS. 
Did you see that tweet? Too soon. Too soon. Okay. For those people who didn't, yeah. For those people who didn't see it, it was off that meme that was like my plans, and it was a photo of the Broncos scoring a touchdown, and then it was Trenton Holiday on a return. He had two return touchdowns in that game, two special teams touchdowns in the same game, and they still. And then I then I said twenty twenty, and it was Raheem Moore just trying to get that ball. That's a meme for people out there. You should go look it up. But, yeah, I mean, the rest of that season, Phil, not a lot of games that were even single-digit wins. You know, they were they were uh, blowout wins a lot of the time. Uh, let's see, like 10, 10 consecutive wins, something like that, to end the season. Um, and, what, Von Miller, I think, had 18 and a half sacks that year, the most of his career. Everything just was a good team. Sorry, I was just uh, throwing up there. Uh, well, what were you talking I, about? <laughs> I do think there's something that you said, Phil, for a lot of the times the best team, like if you look at a franchise and say they have a stretch of like three or four years, it's not always the best team that goes to the Super Bowl and wins the Super Bowl. Like you, Of course, it, it takes an enormous amount of uh, luck and like everything sort of coming together in a perfect storm to win it all. I really believe that. Right. I mean, no matter how good a team is like that Broncos 2015 team was really good, but you got to remember like things just sort of came together and perfectly for them. Uh, week 17 of the season of uh, that year, the Patriots lost to the dolphins and that ensured home field advantage for the Broncos. Uh, was that that game? Obviously Peyton Manning got healthy right in time for the playoffs. Uh, and he came back that week 17 matchup against the Chargers. I still get chills thinking about when Peyton ran out there and they uh, ended up beating the Chargers, secured home field advantage. In the divisional round, they play the Steelers. They don't have to face Antonio Brown because Vontez Perfect hit him the week before that. Brown is out for that game, and the Broncos uh, get a lucky fumble recovery at the end there, and they're able to win that game. Uh, you know, things just worked out perfectly for them. You know, they uh, a perfect you know, storm, you could say. Exactly. The next, and then even in that championship game, I mean, the Patriots had a furious rally there at the end and could have forced overtime, but the Broncos well, got that interception. So, yeah, and really, the only reason you need that is because Goskowski misses an extra point. Exactly. And so, you know, that's not something that you count on to win. But, I mean, we've just seen that again and again. You look at the 2007 New England Patriots, you know, going 18-1. and That's probably the best team they've had there. Didn't win the Super Bowl. Pete Manning, when he was in Indy, that 2005 Colts team was way better than the one that won the Super Bowl in 2006. I mean, you could go on and on. I mean, even going back to to the 90s, Phil, I don't know if you think that the, the Broncos team that lost to the Jags, how you think they compare to the 97 team. but Probably very similar. Yeah. No, I think I think that the '96 team was better than the '97 team. That '98 team was probably the best, though. Yeah, I mean that was that was a really good team. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean it just takes everything has to sort of just click to win that. It's, you know, yeah. So it's it's very rare that a team just is good for one season, wins a Super Bowl, or wins in any sport. You know, it's just good for one year, wins the title, and that's it. It normally takes like a couple failures, a couple close calls, and then you just hope you're around it long enough that you win one. You know, like 
the Ravens last year. If they don't end up being good again this year, they're going to kick themselves for a long time because that was a really good team that kind of let a chance slip away. And, uh, you know, just with the playoff format the way it is, it's just one game. And sometimes yeah. weird things can happen in a game that have created a weird feel. And uh, it goes against everything that's uh, been talked about all week leading up to that game. But right off the bat, maybe there's a weird fumble, there's like a kickoff return, something, and it just has a weird feel to it. A lot of times that can just derail things. Whereas like maybe in, I would say in basketball, a best of seven series, usually the better team is going to win that. You know, nine times out of 10, a, the better team is winning a, a basketball series. So, yeah. Uh, well, you talked there, Phil, about, uh, you know, weird things happening, things you can't predict, uh, game changing plays. The NFL announced today, Thursday, as we're recording this. This is a uh, this is a segue alert. I don't know if you noticed. I was going to say normally I do the cheesy uh, transitions. I felt like it was uh, my turn. I like. But that. they they announced some rules proposal changes today, and uh, among them is this is coming up again is a fourth and fifteen opportunity in the fourth quarter, I believe, from your own twenty five yard line, and it's a chance instead of doing an onside kick that you can go for it on fourth and fifteen and you would then maintain possession of the ball. Yeah, uh, fans are probably familiar with this rule proposal because the Broncos proposed that uh, last year. It didn't quite make it at the owners' meetings in 2019. It's coming back up again this year. There's an owners' meeting uh, at the end of May that they'll be discussing this. And, you know, Eric, I think that this makes a ton of sense because uh, I don't know the exact statistics, but since the rules changed, you can't get that running start on an onside kick or on any kickoff, but on an onside kick in particular, it makes it almost impossible to recover one of these now. And it doesn't matter how good the second bounce is on the kick. Uh, it's almost impossible to recover an onside kick with the current rules. And obviously that running head start needs to be in place for the safety of players. Um, but introducing a new thing, I think that, Typically, owners are slow to adapt something that seems sort of gimmicky at first. And this certainly has the sound of a sort of a gimmick. But if you really think about it, it makes a ton of sense. Uh, and, and I believe that when this rule was first proposed last year, the odds of recovering an onside kick the way the rules used to be with the head start and converting a fourth and 15 those odds were right about the same. So this is a nice substitute for that. And if the team doesn't get the fourth and 15, the other team recovers and gets the ball right there. So no harm, no foul. If you somehow get the fourth and 15, you retain possession and just continue to drive. I think this makes a ton of sense. I don't like it. I don't like it really? at all. Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah, surprised to hear like you it. say that. I'm surprised yeah. to hear you say it. Let's hear your side Be of it. Because you know who I think a fourth and 15 conversion favors more than anybody in the entire league is the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, but they're so good. They're never even in that position. Right, but this is not – I mean, you got to think of the unintended consequences here of this rule change. And so it, it might not just be for teams that are behind. If you're the Kansas City Chiefs and you're up – say you're up by 
nine points, right? At the beginning of the fourth quarter, you know, you, you score a field goal, um, you go up nine or, or you kick a, you get a touchdown and something happens. So you're up nine. So you're already up two scores. So the, the Broncos could get the ball back. They could still keep it a game, but the chiefs there could choose on fourth and 15 to just essentially end it. If you get a fourth and 15 and keep the ball already up two scores. And so I think you'd see teams with explosive offenses, not all the time, but occasionally choose to be ultra aggressive and say, Hey, we're already winning, but we're going to, we want the ball still like, we don't want to give the ball back to this other team. You know, I think back to, you're making a, you, you seem befuddled. Um, the only thing is, I think that uh, the team has to be trailing in order for this rule to go into effect. Is that I, the new? Because last year when they proposed it, that was not the case. I believe that uh, it's for only a team that's uh, uh, trailing. Let me see here. Uh, this this one provided uh, proposed by the Eagles, provide an alternate to the onside kick that would allow a team who is trailing in the game an opportunity mm -hmm. to maintain possession of the ball after scoring. So you have to score. I mean, that's the first part. Right. But then if you're down, you can go for fourth and 15. So it sounds like if, unlike last year, that, you know, if you are ahead, you can't do it. Yeah, exactly. But Got that it. is an okay. interesting point, though, that you make, though. That would be an interesting, like, if you had the lead, man, that would be really gutsy to go for fourth. And it would be. I mean, it's one play. I mean, uh, we saw the NFL a couple of years ago move the onsite or the extra point attempt back because they felt like that was just a throwaway play. They want to make that play a little bit more interesting. Gosh, if you could go for fourth and 15 and, and just and still be up. That would be really exciting. Yeah. Well, the other thing I don't like about it, Phil, and I'm kind of more on board if you can only do it if you're trailing, even though, uh, yeah, I, I mean, just some things to work out there. But the other thing is that it just, it overwhelmingly favors you if you have a good offense. You know, a team like the 2015 Broncos would not benefit from this rule at all. And so they, would, they wouldn't benefit from it. But also the defense was so good that the likelihood they'd give up a fourth and 15 is pretty low. So, but, but yes. Right. But you, like, if you built, if you built your team, like say you're, or say you're the Dallas Cowboys, you build your team on running the football. So you get four yards at a time and you just, you beat somebody down all the way down the field. I mean, it doesn't benefit that type of team. It's benefiting a very certain type of team that has the explosiveness to convert a fourth and 15 and to me, it's too similar to the current rule where in overtime in the playoffs, if you get the ball and score a touchdown, it's over. To me, that, like, if you're a team that has a, a really good, you know, both teams have really good offenses and your offense is never allowed on the field, the nature of the rule hurts you. And I think the nature of this rule could also hurt certain teams. Yeah, I mean, I, I see your point there is that it's not going to be like um... – something that's like fair across the board. Like obviously like a team like the chiefs is going to have sort of an advantage in this particular situation. But like, I guess at this point in the, in the process of the game, it's sort of just like a, a almost like a hail Mary where you're just sort of saying, well, hopefully we get the ball back, you know, oh, like yeah. uh, it's not like this is like going to, you know, sort of uh, uh, really, change the outcome of most games. It's just sort of going to be there at the end where um, 
you know, you got a chance to try and do something where you want to get the ball back and have an, at least a, a shot at something. Yeah. I just, I wonder, um, you know, an onside kick, even if you kick a really good one, even with the old rules, unless somebody messes something up, you're normally going to recover it as the receiving team. Um, yeah. Whereas this, say it's, say it's fourth and 15, the Broncos have a, a 10 point lead on the Chiefs, the Chiefs score, and then they go for this. And there's a defensive holding call, which is a five yard penalty, but it's an automatic first down. Would that mean that they keep the ball? I mean, there's just things here that you'd have to figure out. Uh, you know, I wouldn't want like a, a cheap flag to determine if the Chiefs got to keep the ball there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that is uh, the way that plays officiated is going to be very interesting. Um, the other uh, interesting uh, rule for uh, being that's getting proposed is uh, a booth umpire. Uh, how do you feel about that, Eric, where sort of that eye in the sky um, you know, and then they're also uh, maybe they're proposing that you add a senior technology advisor to the referee to assist the officiating crew. Yeah, I'm okay with all that. I mean, I think you've already got enough people on the field that it doesn't make uh, it's not, there's no harm in like making sure you get things right. So I don't care if they add ten more officials. I mean, I know it's a well. I think the delay in gameplay, I think, is the concern, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, to me. I don't personally care if a game is three hours or three hours and 10 minutes. I'd rather the game be like the calls be decided properly. Like if you asked a New Orleans Saints fan, and I know this is an extreme example, but you go back a couple of years ago to the NFC, what NFC title game, or was that the divisional game? Title game. I think it was a yeah. title game that, you know, would you prefer if, it was, if the game was five minutes longer, but they got that call right? I mean, I don't well, think anybody. That's what obviously went to uh, being able to challenge uh, pass interference last year, you know, and, you know, the NFL wants to make sure that they're avoiding situations where there is a blatantly obvious call that doesn't get called by one of the officials on the field. And this is a perfect way, as long as they can make it fast, where it's just a buzz and it's pretty quick, no problem at all. I mean, let's get it right. You know, there's so much writing yeah. on these things, you know, uh, I mean, you could just think about that, you know, if the Rams hadn't made that Super Bowl, I mean, who knows what would have happened, you know, and, and sort of just like you're talking about contracts, a lot of money on the line, you're talking about, obviously, the opportunity sure. to play for a Super Bowl. So uh, I like that. I like an eye in the sky type of official. Yeah, I agree. And you've seen that with other sports where maybe they have a person who's like in a command center in New York City or something, and they're able to, uh, you know, buzz the official somewhere. I think if you have just an official who's in the stadium, that's going to help clean some of those issues up there, too. So definitely um, some interesting rules proposals. I, I like that. One thing I like about the NFL is they're always trying to make the game better. And uh you know, obviously, John Elway is on the competition committee and on, he's got a big voice there where he's able to, uh, you know, bring differing perspectives to that room. You know, he's got the perspective of the player. He's got the perspective of front office, you know, and I think that uh, having somebody like John, who's been around the game for so long, his perspective there is really valuable. Yeah, no, I think Elway is, uh, like you said, has a unique voice there and um 
I think he enjoys his time on that committee, you know, trying to make the game it's better. It's a lot and, of work. Yeah. It's a no, lot of work. You know, I mean, they've got meetings all the time. They meet at the combine, you know, a lot. They meet before owners meetings. I mean, it's a major commitment. Yeah. And sometimes things work. Sometimes they don't, you know, the pass interference penalty or uh, review, I don't think went how people thought it would. And so they decided to not do that anymore, but Hey, I'm all for it. Like you said, trying to improve things. And we'll forever have the memory in Canton of Vic Fangio challenging uh, pass interference for the first time. Oh my gosh. While having a kidney stone. Exactly. People that forget was a that. Wild memory. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a that's a good memory. So someday someday someone will do an oral history on the kidney stone game. Yeah. Yeah. You have to remember these things could be memorable moments depending on what happens in the future. You yeah. know what I mean? Like uh the flu game gets so much attention. But like if if the Bulls like went on to lose that series or whatever, it's not a big deal, you know. And right. if Vic ends up uh, you know, uh onto great success as a head coach, you'll always remember, hey, his first game was kidney stone game. Yeah, it could be a nice old trivia question. Exactly. Exactly. Kind of like that, Pete. I think I'll still remember the, uh, he's having the time of his life. Yes. Yeah, that, that, that's Monday Night Football. Yeah, that's a, that was uh, Vance's first game, right? It was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that Hall of Fame game, uh, I am really hoping that they're able to uh, hold the ceremony uh, as it's supposed to be. You know, uh, there's been a lot of Hall of Fame stuff uh, scheduled for that weekend in uh, Canton. Not sure if they're going to be able to get all of that stuff in, but I know that uh, thinking of Steve Atwater in particular here, that they're able to have a, a nice ceremony in Canton. Yeah, I hope so. You know, we know Steve the Hoff, he deserves that. And uh, we'd like we like to celebrate him. But yeah. I mean, I know Steve's Steve's opinion would be that he hopes it all happens, but I know he's just glad he, he's getting the jacket one way or another. Yeah, that's true. Uh we'll hope that it happens, but obviously uh safety for everybody involved. You know, there's a, a lot of travel, yeah. obviously, uh a lot of people in, in close quarters there in a stadium. So um got to do what's uh what's best and safe for everybody but uh hopefully they figure out a way to uh honor the legends of the game they could probably socially distance high school students for uh the fall season there because that's a big stadium for a high school team that is a big stadium yeah but high school football is a big deal in ohio that's true all right, Eric, uh, uh, any uh, shout-outs that you want to have here uh, before we wrap up this edition of the Neutral Zone? Well, shout-out to Liz Manis and the community team. Broncos honored as a finalist for the ESPN Sports Humanitarian Team of the Year Award. A nice a, honor there. A finalist, or did they win that award already? Just just a finalist. Uh, yeah, you'll we'll do a lot of content, I think, on DenverBroncos.com if they win. Um, but we just kind of wanted to do just a little bit this time around. So you could get kind of like a taste of our, what we do in the community, but man, the Broncos win, which I think we find out in June, right? At the SBs. Correct. Yes. So, uh, it was really cool. We put a lot, we put out a lot of really amazing content, uh, just going back through a lot of that video, a lot, seeing a lot of the old pictures, you know, thinking back to, 
you know, Mr. B digging, you know, at the Boys and Girls Club. Um, it is amazing how much of an emphasis uh, community community work is for the Broncos. And, you know, it's it's a uh, time that they get recognized for a lot of the work that they do. Um, Ali Engelkin uh, leads that group. And then, of course, uh, Liz Manis, Bobby Mestis, uh, Katie Schuster. Uh, they do a lot of. Uh, did I pronounce that right, Eric? Schuster? Schuster. I think one of those is probably right. So good job. Maybe if uh, Katie wants to call in. Yeah. You know, we'd love yeah, to. You're welcome her. to be a guest. I'm sure Liz will correct us. That's true. Liz, just let us know. I know that you're listening right now. So. Yeah. You know, Liz listens to the show every single week, but she just fast forwards right to the shout outs. That's okay. That's that's what I do too when I listen to it. Yeah, I'm like, oh, what did you think of uh, Eric's interview with Brandon Stokely? She's like, oh, so was Stokely on? Yeah, just rude. That's okay. Yeah. Still get that. Still get yeah. those uh, download numbers. You know. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so anyway, nice work uh, by the co- the community, uh, highlighting a lot of what they've done, uh, not just the Boys and Girls Club, but also Futures Football. Um, fight like a Bronco, you know, the, um, not just one type of cancer, but the all inclusive event there. Um, so that's nice to see them do that. And they just do so much stuff. The Denver rescue mission, uh, they got the teens, you know, the teen center there. So, uh, oh wait, the teen center is at the boys and girls club. This is like, it is, it is. What do you call it? The, the center there, the Denver rescue mission. That they just uh, they the just Rose Andam Center. No, no, that's that's for domestic victims of uh, domestic violence. I know that, but I thought you were. Survivors I try to I try to I try to guess what you would be confused about. Why would I be confused about the Rose Andam <laughs> Center? Well, you were I, when you're looking for a center. I just figured I'd throw out the name of a center. I was I was there when the Rose Andam Center opened up. Got it. Yeah. Shout this out, is like shout the, out Brandon the, Marshall. This is like the updated uh, media center where there's like computers and stuff like that for the Denver Rescue Mission. So Got it. Um, they they just uh, update made some major upgrades uh, last season there. Um, so I was I was also there for that unveiling too, Eric. So clearly memorable for you, huh? Yeah. I just forget the name of that. I'm sure Liz will correct. So we need to correct the Schuster and then also the name of that center <laughs> within the Denver Rescue Mission. So, yeah, we'll get that stuff cleaned up and uh, corrected for the next uh, the next episode. So, um, if you don't have any more shout outs, Eric, I think we can wrap. No, this I think that's it. Up. Let's yeah. tease ahead to next week's show, though. Uh, we'll have a uh, Rod Smith on. Uh, you know, the Broncos drafted three wide receivers. Just uh, curious to get some of his thoughts on, uh, you know, what the hardest transition is to uh, coming into the NFL. Um, we did a whole interview on that, so make sure to, to uh, check that out. Um, you can check out the video version of that right now, but uh, we also will have a podcast uh, edition of that coming up next week here on the Neutral Zone. So, Eric, uh, anything else? I don't think so. All right. Well, our thanks to uh, Jim Nance and Brandon Stokely for coming on the show. That is going to do it for us. For Eric Galala, I am Phil Milani. You've been listening to The, the Neutral Zone. Neutral Zone. Neutral Zone.